and welcome to Lit Liturgy. This is Becca Midiki Conlin. I am the pastor at St. Paul's Lutheran Church on the south side of Easton, Pennsylvania. And I am Lydia Postle, and I'm the pastor of Family of God Lutheran Church in Buckingham, Pennsylvania. And we are Lit Liturgy Worship with a Twist. Of course, there are two awesome meanings of the word lit. The first one being maybe the more PC version of awesome, amazing, poppin', happenin', rad. That's all I can think of right now. And of course, the other meaning is that it lit means super drunk. And while we won't get super drunk, we will be drinking t today. Um, and today we are drinking beers from Evil Twin Brewing Company uh, that have some excellent names. Mine is called Even More Pecan Pie Jesus. So Even More Jesus. And I have Uno Mas Chili Jesus. <laughs> or would it be Jesus? Oh, I guess it should, would have been Uno Mas Chili Jesus, uh, which mine's an imperial stout with some chilies in it, um, and yours is imperial mine is stout, an imperial stout with pecan. So very good. Some different flavors, and yeah, we won't be super drunk, but we're probably going to be weird because Lydia's just getting off of VBS. <sighs> just yesterday was our last day of VBS, so I'm really tired. <laughs> it was a great week, but oh man, so tired. <laughs> awesome yes and uh warning we are going to swear and i'm going to swear right now because while lydia's super tired i am not super tired but i've been dealing with asshole dog all day so uh which is what i also call one of my dogs um so he has a real name but his name is pie he's a little <laughs> irrational um and with that i apologize for any weird background noise because it's july and it's hot and i don't have air conditioning and the dogs are crazy today, so... They might be guest stars in the podcast. But speaking of guests, we always uh, are thankful for Brian O'Dean and our lovely theme music. So thank you. So on this podcast, we each month try and delve deep into something, some topic, whether that's a liturgical or, or a uh, topic or something else that comes up a lot in church and figure out ways that you can dig, dig deeper into it, especially in more traditional church settings and so this week we are talking about it's something very important if you follow the revised common lectionary. The it is summer of bread. Whoa! Yay! So much bread, 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 bread for five yes. weeks. So if you follow the revised common lectionary, you <laughs> might notice that starting at the end of July, we are going to have five weeks talking about bread so be prepared for it because yeah. if you aren't prepared for it like, like by oh, week crap. three you're like oh crap like I, I have to talk about bread again uh, bread oh no i didn't space this i didn't pace myself very much no. <laughs> hopefully you're already like starting to look ahead and going oh no i know there's a lot of like pastor blogs and yes. online groups that are all like oh crap but we're hopefully we are here to help you make it fun and a little less repetitive yes There's besides singing every single communion hymn in your hymnal this right. over those five weeks all the hymn bread breaking all the hymn bread bread bbs brain <laughs> just gonna claim that all the bread hymns. hymns yes <laughs> so one bread one body one yeah. one bread one we brain, break one bread body. together on our knees we yeah. all of them all the bread all the yeah all right. Where did this come from? So the rumor that I know of is that it's a Catholic thing, basically, is that when the Revised Common Lectionary was put together, uh, they kind of gave different, uh, different denomination sections to work on a little bit. And somehow year C or whatever year we're in, right? 
gosh, don't ask me. B. 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 <laughs> Whatever year this is. The Mark year when we spend a lot of time in John. We just skip. Yeah, we just skip over to John. Like, this was a section that the Catholic Church was in charge of, and so they really delved deep into talking about Jesus as the body of Christ and the bread thing and joy for all of preachers ever since Every then. three years. So, um, cool. Yeah. All right, so let's talk about some ways that you can do to make this creative. Let's talk about bread. All right, so first off, very simple, bake bread. Yes, a pretty low-hanging fruit on that one. Yes, so you can do this during the worship service. I mean, you can do it during the sermon. You can do it as a gathering rite. Uh, there are a lot of communion recipes, uh, communion bread recipes, especially at, like flat bread that don't take yeast in them, that you can make and then, and it takes like, five minutes to mix all the ingredients and then 10 to 15 minutes to bake. So if you have somebody down in the kitchen, they can bake the bread while you preach. Yeah. <laughs> or you could have some pre-baked as well, kind of a la Julia Child, like, look at this, the, the magic of communion. Ta-da, it's done. <laughs> you could also have volunteers a different families break the Bake bread. Bake. <laughs> bake their favorite bread recipes. Yes. And if you don't want to do it during worship, have some time either before or after worship that people can get together in the church building and they can bake bread together. Um, and you can do just one recipe. You can do a different recipe for all five weeks. You can um, do something else. It's it's a great time to have real bread. If you are a congregation that uses wafers. Like me. Do yeah. some real bread this yeah. this summer. Exactly. It's great. Um, and I, you can use the lectionary as an excuse. It's like, Jesus made me do it. Like, we have to have real bread. <laughs> Uno mas Jesus made me do it. <laughs> Even more Jesus. Because all we have all the Jesus. It's also a good time that if you are somebody who, if you're a congregation that only has communion every few weeks and, you know, once a month or whatever, and you want to go to more weekly communion... Again, a really good time to do it because it's kind of weird to be talking about bread and Jesus being the bread of life. But no, you don't get any Jesus today because right. it's not the first Sunday of the month. Yeah, you could just say it for for the four weeks of August. Five, five weeks. Well, four weeks of August plus... Plus, yeah, the four weeks of bread that are in August. You can just throw the fifth Sunday in there and just say, oh, we'll just keep doing the bread. Yes. Say, hey, let's, let's do four weeks. And then you could just keep going. Yes. And if people need some education on that, talk to them about why wafers developed. There's actually a great YouTube video out there of nuns who make the wafers and how they do it and oh, it's made. Gosh. But also talk about the fact that wafers developed because people used to hoard the bread and then they would have, like, take it out of their cheeks and then they would bring it home and they would have little... Oh, what? I know. You did not oh, know I've this. Heard, I know. They I would have little this. altars in their house with the bread there. But then the bread would get all stale and moldy and, like, mice and would come and eat it. Squishy. But, but it's the body of Christ. Like, if you believe that's the physical presence of Jesus and then you didn't eat it and consume it so it becomes part of you as the body of Christ, then it's going to be there and then that's really sacrilegious. That's gross. Um, <laughs> yeah, and also wafers became popular just because of the, la of the lack of the mold issue and also the fact that it's just uh, wheat and water is the only thing that makes a wafers so that they were, they're fairly cheap to make. Mm -hmm. And easier to package up and ship and... Well, yeah, but... Yes, uh, that stuff. Gro but they're gross and disgusting and croutons of Christ, personally, is what I call them. But 
I'm sorry. Did I offend someone? I'm you sure I just did. Need a lot of wine to kind of moisten and yeah, sort of the opposite problem. Um, you can also have breads from around the world each Sunday, so yeah. you can do different tar- types of bread. So you can do like naan, and you can do pita. Pita is an easy one. Yeah, or, and you can do wat, which is Ethiopian, or you can do rice crackers or rice cakes or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Just and you can just. Do a little something in the bulletin about our bread today is uh, uh, tradition is whatever bread and it's traditionally found in this part of the world. Mm-hmm. Um, I would suggest that you avoid breads that have a lot of nuts or seeds or are super grainy just due to allergy and people with diverticulitis issues that you don't want to make somebody sick off of eating Jesus. No, no, <laughs> that would not be good. Another thing you can do as kind of a fun take home um, that's not related to making or baking or buying bread is um, it's pretty easy to bust out the different readings for the five weeks into kind of a little devotional booklet. You can give that as a take home. You can include discussion questions for for families to talk about over meals. That would be a great thing to do as a family or as groups. You can even make it um, intergenerational and have like spots for stickers or a stamp and like make it into summer bread passport. It would also encourage uh, families to attend, maybe encourage people to attend more in the summer because August tends to be a time where people go. Or even if they're traveling, then it gives them something to do if they won't be at church that, sure. in worship. Or they exactly. can go elsewhere and say, hey, well, pastor, whoever. Would you I... sign my booklet? Yes. That would be awesome, actually. If you do that, if you have like make a booklet and like go around and have your congregation members go to visit different churches and have them sign, have the pastor sign, go do that. That'd be yeah. fun. Uh, have some time that you can write some meal prayers uh, during worship as families or pews or small groups, and you can collect them and share them. And you can, again, make that as a booklet. Uh, you can also, we talked about this at our last podcast, you can even make that into like a dice that people can uh, then bring home. And then they have a dice that sit on a die that sits on their table and they roll the die for what meal prayer they're going to say each night. That's kind of cool. Yeah. And you can also teach uh, different. Uh, meal prayers from around the world. You could teach fun camp graces that we There's don't get to bust Superman, out. There's always Superman. Like that's a yep. Batman. No, 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 no. Thank you, Jesus. Yeah, it's super simple. Yep. Uh, yeah, Google spend some that. time with uh, like my two. My current new favorite, newer favorite, is the Frozen Grace, as in Frozen the Disney movie. So yeah. So yeah, or make up the words uh, to something that's catchy and that you know about. And then if you are going to teach meal graces, have a meal together as a congregation. That'd be fun to do. Yes. Um, Get creative about your communion logistics. I'm sure like my congregation, like many others, kind of this is how we do communion and this is always how we do communion. So do something different. Um, A lot of churches have smaller crowds during the summer, so have and if you normally do intinction or drive by where like the people who are serving communion stand still and people walk by try the table method where they actually like stand or kneel at the altar railing or my personal favorite is where you stand in a in a circle and who the presider presides and then they pass the bread to the person next to them and gives them a piece and then they then feed the people next to them and you continue around the circle and then you do the same with the the glass the chalice after that mm-hmm. and so people commune one another um it's a great way to commune i would suggest not doing it if you have more than 30 people uh just yeah, great be, for small groups wonderful for small groups yeah. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. otherwise uh again you could try dinner church any you could even make it picnic church have dinner or lunch or brunch or worship either during the service after the service 
service. Yep. Um, there's lots of liturgies out there. You have can try. French toast for communion at your brunch worship. Yeah, exactly. That'd be fun. French toast and syrup. Right. French to the, the syrup of Christ. <laughs> Give it for you. This is also a good opportunity to uh, do first communion. Yes. If uh, you haven't done that already, or if you don't have like a set Sunday. Um, yeah. Like if you have a, I had a small class this year. I had a class of one. So I could be That's kind a of, small class. That is a small class. So I could be flexible. So, um. Yeah, I mean, we do communion of all ages at my congregation, but it's a good time to do some communion education. Yeah. So if you have an education hour still in the summer, you can do that during the education hour, or you can have an, a special time, whether it's a one-day, all-day Saturday, or after worship one Sunday of a workshop, or a series of classes where you just kind of delve into what is communion and explain a, a little bit more. And be intergenerational with that because while adults might have been communing for the vast majority of their life, they probably don't remember what was taught to them in first communion class back when they were in fifth grade or eighth grade or 12th grade, whenever it was back in the day. Yeah. Actually, I did something similar during Lent and we went to Panera Bread. Ooh, it's very, very (laughs) apt name. In this case, you have to call it Panera Bread and not just Panera. Right. (laughs) Yes. You have to say Panera Bread. So yeah, you could do like... On a weeknight, like say, hey, let's all meet at Panera Bread, um, do some communion educating together and make it fun. Yep. And for part of that series, or really if you just want to get out of preaching one Sunday on bread, is have a time where you just explain what all the stuff on the altar means. Like, what is a chalice and a patent and a veil? And what are the names of these napkins? And why do we have it? And what about all of this stuff? And why is this there? And why? What, what? are the stoles? And why are they different colors yes. sometimes? And then after church, you should do like a quiz. You could do like adults versus kids. Ooh. and like, Or as part of your sermon, if you do or it. Or as part of your sermon. Yeah, like make up a kind of like a matching sheet of like, you know, match the names with the with the descriptions. Or like, yes. I've seen it done, like you, you display different things around the sanctuary and you have numbers and then yeah. you like have them match it. And while I always like when you do the history, like this is a chalice, it's, you know, like also talk about why it was there in the first place. Don't just give it the holy reason, but also the practical reason. Like the fact that veils were there originally, the linen cloths that we put over things to keep flies away or altar railings were originally there, not so that we can kneel in reverence to the altar, but it was to keep animals from getting too convenient right, at the altar. Right, and just wandering in. There was a practical reason <laughs> right. why altar railings But we still exist. put them in. Yes. So you can also then talk about how all the people on the other side of the altar railing are the pigs. That are oh, no. <laughs> but say that in jest. Very nice. <laughs> yeah, be, yeah, say that in yeah. <laughs> So that they might all of a sudden just need to go up there and eat all the Jesus. (laughs) Right. That's funny. Obviously, you can also lift up different feeding ministries. Yes. In your congregations. Um, And you can also actually get out there and actually do something. You could do do a a Bread for the World, great name, offering of letters campaign for one example. Yeah, so you can do the advocacy side. You can also do something more practical. Like you can do a food collection where one week after worship, you have people go around the neighborhood and distribute flyers. And the next week you go and you, uh, that you're doing a food collection the following Sunday. The following Sunday, you go around and you pick up all the food that people have left out on their front porch for you. Mm-hmm. Um, you can invite someone from a local feeding ministry to come and preach and do a temple talk. Hey, it will break up your five weeks of preaching. <laughs> right. <laughs> You're sensing a theme here, I'm guessing. <laughs> yeah. I love to preach, but preaching on about bread for five weeks is a lot. 
there's different organizations like Feed My Starving Children or Hunger Northeast or Outreach International that have meal packing events. Some of them will even come to your congregation and you can do a massive meal packing event where you package, you know, a few thousand meals together, um, which is kind of great. Other t- places you would need to go somewhere and do it at that location, but yeah. you can do that right after worship or during the week and you can talk that up as something. Or to find do. a local meal packing event and like ha- it's all planned for you. You just sign up and show up. Yes, you're volunteers. Uh, do a big sale for an organization like it doesn't even have to include bread. You can just do brownies and cookies. <laughs> yeah, no bread in this big sale. <laughs> uh, but do uh, for an organization. But my dad, who loves to bake, it's one of his hobbies and vocation in a way like that, has a bake sale every spring. And he raises money for a, um, now I can't think of the name of it. It's an organization that gives bikes in especially Africa that to small villages so doctors can get around from village to village. And so he does these bake sales. He gets a grant from Thrivent for a lot of the ingredients. And he, I'm not kidding you, I'm not making up these numbers other than rounding, estimating. He makes like 160 loaves of bread and like 200 packages of a dozen or half a dozen of cinnamon rolls. And he does this both on his own for months prior as he bakes and frees stuff. But he also does it with his, he has a faith group at his church that gets together the Friday beforehand and they make a few hundred dozens of rolls of cinnamon rolls together. Oh, wow. And then they leave some to bake on Sunday morning so it smells nice and good in there. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you get get a lot of the good smells in there, like the bread baking, especially if you're going to do bread during worship, bread before worship. Bread, bread, bread. Yeah. And you can do things like, uh, if you want to just have the smells in there, have the uh, bread for snacking. So you can do dinner rolls. Those are simple to make, but you can also buy them frozen and you just bake them or you can, you know, make the dough the night before so they rise overnight and then you bake them right before worship begins and you can hand them out at the beginning of worship or during the sermon. And so you have this fresh bake roll because to me there's nothing better than like so when the delicious. bread is still like warm and it steams a little and yes. oh, have a little snack time during worship. That's the best. Right, we're going to break for snack in the middle of our sermon. It's a snack break. Hey, it works <laughs> for me. Right. Especially if you have families of small children you know go back in your playground and like yeah you know so better than cheerios right yeah and fresher <laughs> more fresh. <laughs> yes uh, so the first sunday of the sunday of bread is the feeding of the five thousand, and it talks about barley loaves so have barley bread and barley bread is a little bit more difficult to find you'll probably have to go to a natural food store or a baker to find it it won't be in most regular grocery stores um but you can find that or you can find barley flour, again, specialty grocery stores. But it's also now the a grain of the rich because it is an ex- more expensive bread. Yeah, but it, isn't that interesting? But it used to be a bread of the poor because it was such a rough hewn and it, wasn't a, it made such a dense loaf. So do a little research in that and talk about the barley loaves and how here is this kid that had barley loaves of bread. And the fact that they put that term in there means that it was... Here, it was It'd be like peasant. Wonder Bread now. Yeah. Yeah. You're like, or, you know, it would be the, the knockoff the store brand version right. of Wonder yeah. Bread. Right. Well, yeah. What's the, whatever the, it's the, you know, the, around here we have Acme and Wise. It'd be like the Acme brand of the white bread. Yes. Peanut butter store sandwich. Store brand bright, white bread. <laughs> and you can also talk about how um, grinding grain to make bread is a process that we don't even think about now. We just no. go to the store, buy the bread. Um, so give it a try. You could... 
Try, try some grinding some br- some bran, some barley yeah, yourself. You warning, I did this uh, a few years ago and almost burnt out my food processor. Um, you can grind grains in your food processor. Just take it really slow and don't do a whole lot. And I would just do a little bit enough to like do a demonstration. Don't do enough to make a recipe um, because then you will burn out your food processor. Yeah. But you can also, sh- even if you, have, if you have the ability to show visuals, you can show old stone mills and how the stones and that was mills from the 17 1800s were not too different than mills from jesus's day mm-hmm. of stone grinding on stone to get the the bread right. and think about the big water mills with the huge yes. just to grain with stuff yeah. or just to yeah and the same is make green yeah <laughs> words are hard <laughs> and the same is true for bread ovens ovens were not something that you just pressed a few buttons and all of a sudden, you know, 20 minutes later, you had this thing that was nice and warm and at the right. temperature you wanted. Yeah, like, at 375 or whatever, like yeah. perfectly. But they were these outdoor things that the fire had to be stoked and, and cared for. Um, and normally they would keep the fires going constantly because it took so much yeah. um, to get it up there. And where the heat was was actually not really where the fire was. And the clay stones would be actually what kept the heat in and... So you can find a lot of old uh, brick ovens or old uh, bread ovens and show some pictures of that and what it meant to cook bread in Jesus' day. It wasn't a simple process. No. And it's even not that simple of a process now. If you have a baker in your congregation or you know someone who bakes bread, um, you could have them come in and talk about the process um, and why they do it. I know people that who I know who, are, who work in bakeries, they're up all night um, yeah. making the stuff so that people can buy it the next day so that we can walk into a bakery at 10 a.m. in the morning and be like, ooh, I want some cinnamon rolls. Yeah, and as much as my dad loves to bake and he said he would never actually be a baker because baker hours are overnight and he's like, I don't want to start working at 10 p.m. Right, and and the fact that your house was a bakery. Yes, where we are at right now. Yeah, we are in an old bakery. Yes, my my house uh, was built in 1888 and was originally a bakery. And so you can still kind of tell on the floors where the old ovens were. And it was the storefront is my living room now. And it definitely has a unique character to it. But it's a great... Like, great space. It is a great space. Fun. But you know that the people who originally lived here had weird hours compared to their neighbors. Uh, yeah. So... Um, something you can do again if you have somebody who loves to bake in your congregation ask them to make a a altar scape out of bread Um, so you just take uh, regular white dough recipe something that's going to rise a little bit but still kind of keep its shape and you can shape it into loaves and fishes or to look like grain or a chalice and then they bake it as normal and then once it's done you shellac it and um like in the commercial the food commercials that aren't actually food yes <laughs> but you shellac it and it then it gives it a nice shininess to it and then it can be up on your altar uh for and it should last the entire five weeks it should with when, once you shellac it without it getting moldy but if you are a little worried about that if you don't have air conditioning or if you have some um vermin issues in your Ooh, church yeah. so just store it in an airtight container or a fridge to avoid that and it will last all five weeks it will look gorgeous um there are there's definitely and you can again find these videos on youtube of people who like are artists with their bread like they make things that are works of art and it doesn't have to be a, tr- a great work of art if it's somebody in your congregation that makes it it can because that is a work of art even if it will never win a award of how beautiful it looks and even if it's 
maybe deserves to be in a nailed it blog, you know, like the, the <laughs> Pinterest picture and then nailed it. Mm, not so much, but it's still beautiful yep. and it'll still be lovely. Yeah. To, if if oh, you want to get away from bread itself for a little bit, instead of making bread, make new communion ware. Yeah, that would be cool. Yeah, if you have somebody in your congregation who is a potter or a woodworker, ask them to make new communion ware for you and then you can have it dedicate it five weeks or you can dedicate it at the end of the five weeks so it's something that they ruminate on for these five weeks about hearing about bread great word ruminate yes <laughs> chew on yes <laughs> so that they can that it can be dedicated after the five weeks that they have spent thinking about bread and they've worked on the pottery or the woodwork if you have the pottery you can have a class where your congregation member makes um chalices or communion sets and everybody can bring one home each family at least can bring one home as a reminder of uh the church even if it's not actually food safe but it's something that they can pretend is and have out in their dining hutch or something as a reminder of churches with them even when they're at their dinner table and let the kids play with it like with godly play there was a great discussion in one of the clergy online groups that we're a part of about there was a national youth gathering in the Lutheran world where there was a station that had vestments and it had communion wear and like youth could come and they could like they could try on um different things they could they had had acolyte yes lighting you know setting up contests and they could like Kind of embody. It was such a cool place. It was such a cool idea, and people shout out to Anne Marie. Yeah, Anne Marie. Who's a friend of ours? Yeah, so it was awesome, and that just made made me think about having a communion set back in our playground. Yes, and having the kids kind of like play communion. Yes, because why not? And you can also, if you don't want to use real clay for that, you can use play doh or model magic that kids can make, and then they can take their model magic or their play-doh communion set home with them as a way of playing with it um quick side note my home church uh they would every year for first communion uh they would have the first communion class one week they would make um the bread together for communion and that would be uh and they used a very simple recipe and it always turned out okay but never great like it was always weird for it being a simple recipe how bad it could turn out. But they would also make their own individual communion cups. And my husband would refer to them as baby's first shot glass. <laughs> oh. Bob's great. <laughs> yeah. Bob's not wrong. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, and along with, if again, if you don't want to do communion set make new communion linens yeah i'm sure most congregations have someone who likes to sew in there or has an embroidery machine yes. or something and those things get dirty all the time and you can then have a conversation about why we have them but also the fact that we need people to make them mm-hmm. and why they're important but it's also important that we clean them it's um and how it's a it's that little act of service of wiping off the glass after somebody else that you have that moment. So, and, and if you want to get really ambitious and have some sewers in your congregation, you could get a new like stole set or pyramids and like have them specially out for these five weeks to make it kind of a special time yes. because you wear that green stole a lot. Yes, so it's, it's good a, to break break things up a little bit. Yep. 
Um, so take the time to thank people who set up for communion and those who distribute it to the homebound members. So your altar gill, your communion, uh, your communion assistants, ministers, and those who go to to homebound members. And then you can also kind of use that as a way to recruit new people for those ministries as well. But really yeah. take time to realize that communion is not just the pastor who stands up there at the altar. That there's people behind the scenes who are making this ready. Just as the boy brought the bread and the fish to Jesus for the feeding of 5,000. Jesus just blessed it. In fact, I'm not sure if it's in uh, this version, but in one of the versions, Jesus doesn't even touch it. So you just the go. Yeah. 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 He just sends it out to the disciples who handle it. Yeah. And I, I learned this. Um, so I, when I, when my own church moved from uh, communion every first and third, I think week to every week, um, the altar guild, I got the altar guild on board, but I hadn't realized that, oh, I need to recruit some more assisting ministers. And like we have, and they're awesome. But, um, but it just made me realize, yeah, there's a lot of people who go into helping with this. Yes. Um, and then you can also do something like a communion to go stand, like ashes to go have been a popular thing. And during at, uh, Ash Wednesday, a few last dozen years or so, but do communion to go where you go outside and on a Sunday morning or midweek and offer communion to people who walk by. Yeah. That would be pretty awesome. They'd be like, what's going on here? Yeah. Cool. Yeah. So that was a lot of bread. A lot of bread. And we aren't done yet. (laughs) We aren't done yet. So we do have a BYOB today. Woo. Shout out to Rebecca Sullivan, who is a friend of mine. She suggested for these five weeks of the summer of bread to do a bread potluck at the end to celebrate making it through all five weeks. I think that's a great idea. She said she did it three years ago, and uh, her people love to bring their favorite breads, and it was delicious, and um, she... Had a great time. And you can get a little creative. Like you bring the bread bowl that has the d- spinach artichoke dip <gasps> in it. And you eat it. <laughs> and, or you have the pretzel that is stuffed with cheese. or Ooh. So you get more than just bread. You get some other flavors yeah, in there. Though I could just eat bread all day. Like I could day. too. <laughs> but like it is good to break it up with like yep. spinach dip and cheese. Yes. Yeah. So thanks Rebecca for your well, she, And she also suggested that if you get there early, set oh, up yes. a bread machine. And then you have that smell going. And that bread from the bread machine could be your communion bread or it could be for afterwards yeah with your coffee bread and coffee the third we like to say it's the third lutheran sacrament yes (laughs) so it's a a good thing to do um so moving on we're going to do scripture shots uh for these sunday uh for these sundays of the summer of bread we aren't going to focus a whole lot on the bread part because we just just did that yeah pretty much so let's kind of go through these a little quick so the first sunday of the summer of bread is july 29th the gospel reading that day is John 6, 1 through 21. It's the feeding of the 5,000 and Jesus walking on water. Something we haven't talked about yet is uh, for this Sunday, you can hand out things like Swedish fish or goldfish crackers along with dinner rolls. So you have a little fish and <laughs> A little fish. Um, and then for the walking on water part, if you just want to ignore the feeding of the 5,000 because you want to adjust readings for later in the week, yes. I'm cool with it. Uh, We're cool with it. Do yeah. It. <laughs> Um, so Jesus walks on water. So have a kiddie pool set up and preach standing in it. I did this a few years ago. It was a lot of fun because it was a hot day and my church didn't have air conditioning and to wade through some cool water. And I only had like two inches of water in there. It wasn't enough. It felt good though. It felt really good. And then I could carry, it was a small enough that I could carry it out without making a mess. 
Um, but also realize that they were three to four miles from shore when Jesus came to them. So this is a half hour run for most people, if not further longer. So Jesus was trying for a while to get to them. And you can do some science experiments with that about turning water into a, si a solid, like with gelatin or other chemicals to change the texture of the water. Um, and it never says that Jesus did get into the boat when the disciples, uh, with the disciples, just that he wanted to take them into, that they wanted to take them into the boat. So just something to ruminate on. If you're doing thematic Old Testament readings, it's 2 Kings 4, which is Elisha feeding 100 people. So again, there's some barley uh, bread. Have that leftover potluck because where everybody brings leftovers instead of a new dish. Um, so and then Or have it where they bring in a new dish, but everybody also brings a Tupperware container. So they bring the leftovers home or they bring it to homebound members or for those in need uh, so that other people can have your leftovers. Uh, the semi-continuous reading is David and Bathsheba. Uh, you can act it out, preach from a bathtub instead of from a kiddie pool. That would be interesting. Yeah, I would suggest <laughs> being clothed. Yeah, I was going to say. <laughs> uh, I, there's a lot of twists and turns to that story, so maybe use a storybook version, a kid's version of it, just because it will make that a little bit simpler. Uh, but if you're going to use straight-up scripture, I would suggest the Common English Bible, my favorite translation at the moment, just because it plainly states that they had sex and she got pregnant. Like, those are Is the that phrases. that works? Yeah, I know. <laughs> um, there's not euphemisms in there. It actually states it. So that in the midst of all of the story with all the twists and turns, you aren't also trying to figure out what these euphemisms mean. So, yeah. Plain as, yeah. <laughs> August 5th. Uh, the gospel is John 6, 24 through 35. Keeping keeping moving here. Uh, Jesus is speaking kind of in the metaphor with, about metaphorical bread and food that lasts. So one thing, if you feel like doing like a science experiment, have some moldy food to symbolize all the food that does eventually go bad to kind of, that's kind of a, yeah, be kind of an interesting visual. Um, don't wave it in people's faces, so that probably wouldn't be a good idea. Um, and if you normally use wafers, this would also be a good day to actually switch to real bread, as we often think of manna as kind of like the, a crusty kind of wafer-like thing that kind of yeah. hangs out on the top of the of the ground. And Jesus tells us that better bread um, is coming, better better bread than manna. And let's be honest, all bread is better bread than wafers. <laughs> This is true because all bread has taste. Yes. <laughs> um, the Old Testament from the thematic readings are is, of course, the manna and the quail. So you could decorate your sanctuary with uh, wafers and birds, though probably not real ones. Um, <laughs> but it might be kind of cool to have if you have stuffed birds around or just like put bird cutouts in the windows or um, things like that because they, they were everywhere in this reading. Um, Something you could also do is challenge people to eat the same thing for a whole week to embody what the Israelites were feeling about eating. Yes, they were eating, but to eat the same thing every day. For um, 40 years. For 40 years would be a long time. So can we do it for a week? That might be a little hard for us, but it would give us a little bit of a, of a taste ha, 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 of what that was like. You could get out some, if you have any old cookbooks hanging around in your church library or in people's homes, get those out, bring in some recipes, bring in recipes from your childhood, and talk about how have diets changed? How have our tastes changed over the years? There's a lot less jello salad in today's diet than there was like in the 70s, for well, instance. I think we've diversified. Thank as God. As Lutherans, at least. <laughs> a little bit. I think overall, thank God. True. 
Um, another fun thing to do, we were we kind of alluded to this earlier, is to talk about um, how grocery stores work and how our grocery system, how food distribution happens in our country. How does food get to us? Mm-hmm. Um, how does it come from farm to, to you know warehouse to table and to talk about that process? It just doesn't appear in the mm-hmm. store. Um, and then to talk about what is the most most ethical use of um, of getting food to people because we use a lot of resources mm-hmm. to get food places. Um, things come from other countries. They use a lot of gas. Um, if you really want to dive in, uh, uh, Barbara Kingsolver's The Animal Vegetable Miracle is great a great book, book to read. Um, yeah. Yeah. Lots of Google that. There's lots of good stuff. Michael Pollan has some great stuff on that too. So look that stuff up. These, the semi-continuous reading is from second Samuel eleven twenty six through 12, 13. And this is the story where Nathan tells, says to David, you are the man. You've been bad. You've been bad. There's like a wagging finger that happens in this story. <laughs> lots of finger wagging. So rewrite the parable. Um, that Nathan tells kind of with a more modern twist. So whatever is happening at the moment, there's lots so much stuff happening in the news. It shouldn't be too hard to um, to dig into. It's something. probably going to be harder to pick something and not ruffle too many feathers in your congregation. That's probably true too. So, but that would really hit home to people, I think, kind of um, if you kind of made it um, as a more modern parable. Yeah. So have fun. August 12th, uh, the gospel reading is more of John 6, uh, more bread. So just see, see above. <laughs> more bread. Uh, a thematic Old Testament reading is 1 Kings 19, where Elijah gives bread uh, is given bread under the a broom bush. So share stories about when food has come, when it's been needed for you. Um, encourage people to bring extra produce from their gardens or food pantry. You can decorate your altar with produce. Um, have a potluck meal and bring those leftovers to those in need. Uh, the semi-continuous is Second Samuel 18, which is uh, um, David's son Absalom rises up against David, and David is killed, and so David mourns Absalom. Uh, Absalom is, is killed. killed. <laughs> Sorry. And David mourns Absalom's death. Um, so talk about a parent's still love the child even when the child does something that hurts them. Um, you can have parents text their children, like of all ages, that they love them, or have text or kids text their parents whether again regardless of age like you know the 40 year old can text their parent about just apologizing for the fact that they were little shits growing up like all kids are little shits growing up you know um have people write down something that they're having problems forgiving in someone else and then you can just rip those up um and then you can have a trash can in the middle of your worship space so as people come up for communion or you can make this at the end of the sermon and they can just throw those ripped up sheets of paper into the trash can uh, so that to symbolize that you are letting go of that. And hopefully the physical representation will help people mentally and spiritually forgive. All right. Last shot. No, two more. Oh, two more. Yeah. Oh, yeah you're five right, weeks of bread. Come on. Oh my gosh. We're not it done with the bread. Or two more. All right. Ugh. August 19th, John 6, 51 through 58, more bread, see above. Okay. <laughs> Quickest shot ever. <laughs> Quickest shot ever. Um, the thematic is Proverbs 9. Wisdom builds her house. So this is Lady Wisdom. So you can talk about her. She's pretty awesome. You can, again, have your altar decorated and set up for a full meal with, like, actual regular dishes. Um, 
you can give people invitations to communion as they walk into a building because she's inviting people into her house. You can get, make like a cool invitation saying, come to communion. And that would be especially cool if you are moving from less frequent communion to more regular communion. Or wafers to bread or pita or something. Oh, that is a nice breeze coming. And we both stopped and we're like, woo, that's great. The spirit is moving. The- <laughs> Anyway, the semi-continuous Old Testament is from 1 Kings uh, chapters 2 and 3. Solomon asks for wisdom as he becomes king. So you could talk about what do we need most when we take on new roles, especially as leaders. And then what are you praying for currently? Are you praying for wisdom? Are you praying for patience, understanding, hope, love, strength? Um, if you did star words during Epiphany, this would be a great time to have people dig out their star words or do some other kind of star word kind of thing, um, tying back to that idea. You could write that word on a rock. And then after church, you could have people take that with them, kind of like a star word, and have them display it somewhere mm. in their home so they could remember to uh, pray for that and then talk, bring it up later um, and see how that goes. Uh, August 26th, John's, more of John 6. It's like the never-ending chapter. Um, don't worry, it's the last week, so see above. <laughs> um, or before. Josh 20, Joshua 24 is the thematic Old Testament reading, which is Joshua challenges the people to be faithful um, and to rightly serve the Lord. So invite maybe someone who's a server or a waiter to come in and share their story and how they serve God by serving others or how they see that as a vocation. We've all had that person who's been an excellent server or waiter. You know that's their spiritual gift. Um, and have them talk about that. Or they can also talk about how some of the rules they've learned about how to serve people, how to do it best, even the simple things about always serving from the right side and always clear from the left. I think that's correct. Something Sounds good. I don't know. I was never a server. So. Um, and then in verse 15, it's a semi-famous verse of, uh, me, uh, my family and I will serve the Lord. So have families plan together how they're going to serve the Lord or encourage people who are worshiping alone to join each other in that discussion that you can expand the term family to mean the church family. And so it's small groups, but also be aware that there's going to might be some pain that arises from those who worship alone because their family members do not have faith and they don't want to join them in worship. Um, so that's careful. Yeah. yeah, Just a little warning. Uh, semi-continuous is first Kings eight, which is Solomon dedicates the temple. So encourage house blessings. You can collect household items to donate to a charity of your choice that, uh, you know, maybe refugee resettlement or, um, women, abusive women who are getting back on their feet, abused women, not abusive, abused women getting back on their feet or homeless people who are getting a shelter for the first time. Um, so collect those items. You can also adapt the Epiphany House Blessing. Uh, there are rights that you can find online easily about such things. So now we're done that with shots. That was a summer break. Five full weeks. Thank <laughs> God it's only weeks. five weeks. All right, our chaser is a TED Talk from uh, 2008, uh, Peter Reinhardt, who is a bread-making dude. Oh, okay. So if you don't know Peter Reinhardt, he has had multiple uh, cookbooks. I own at least two of them in my kitchen right now. And he makes these wonderful breads and he makes artisan bread. So like really goes back to like old school ways of making bread and like especially sourdough and things like that. So good bread. Wonderful. Anyway. but Cool guy. Yeah. Not that we know him, but. Um, I know him from the cookbooks. 
Lydia knows him from this TED talk. Yeah, so uh, we'll link, we'll have a link to share this um, TED talk. Some of my favorite quotes from this TED talk. So this, it's like, you know, about a 20 minute, it's probably a little less than, maybe like 13 minutes. Yeah. Um, TED talk. It's a TED talk length. So yeah, it's a TED talk thing. So you could, I think you could easily just show this as your sermon and kind of just say some things at the end. I know three years ago, I basically summarized the TED Talk as most of my sermon. Um, A couple great quotes from this talk is, he says, bread is a transformational food. He talks about how bread and the yeast come alive, dies, come alive, comes alive so that we can have sustenance. And then my other favorite quote from this talk is, bread is yeast, sweats, sorry, bread is yeast, sweats, burps, and starch guts. It really is. Cause <laughs> and, and liquid beer. Bread is liquid beer and beer no, is liquid... Wait. Bread Words are is hard. solid beer. Yeah. And beer is liquid bread. Yeah, VBS brain. That. He also says that. So check it out. <laughs> it's great stuff. It really holds up. It's 10 years old already. Wow. But it's um, awesome. So check it out. Yes. So... We've made it through the summer, but <laughs> at least metaphorically, we still have five weeks to make... actually be through it. Yes. Oh, darn. I'm going to be missing two weeks due to vacation. Oh, I'm only missing one. <laughs> and then we're doing something else another. So I might not, I might only end up having to preach on two of these weeks and oh, yay, semi-continuous. I might not preach on any bread. So that's that's one way to get over the summer of bread. Yeah. (laughs) So, but we'll be back uh, in the meantime. You can find us on Facebook and Twitter, uh, both at Lit Liturgy, L-I-T-L-I-T-U-R-G-Y. You can also email us at litliturgy at gmail.com. And when we come back, our next topic will be... Uh, back back to school stuff, rally day things, day of service, um, Labor Day. So overall, mainly we're going to be talking about vocation. Yeah, exactly. That's kind of the overarching theme is like doing, what do we do with our faith? Yes. Um, so that's but what we're going to be doing. given in the context of it's going to be back to school and rally day and all that good stuff in late August, early September. Sorry for those of you down in the South who have like rally day next week. <laughs> so Right, yeah. And Everyone has, like, a different school schedule and stuff. So, anyway, thanks again to Brian O'Dean for our theme music. It's awesome. He is always wonderful. So, in the meantime, this is Becca. And this is Lydia. And we're reminding you to always drink and plan worship responsibly. Ooh, that's tasty.